Yeah. We're talking about um, your favorite RODI resin. Oh, mm. we're talking about a few other things, especially where you know there's only like 11 days left of the big, oh, big giveaway thing. All right, first so reefers. I'm not gonna bore you guys. This. If you've seen this all the time, I'm sure. There's 11 days left. We've given away $19,954. We gave oh, away right. one time, one on one day, we gave away $20,000 dream tank. Oh yeah. Yeah, now we're halfway through the month. Okay, so when, already I, there. when I pitched this, man, there was no scenario where this was going to exceed the cost of the $20,000 dream tank. Where we're not so, yet. <laughs> like, I'm afraid to show up to work. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I've been dodging Bob and Andrew every day. Uh -huh. uh, all right. So, I mean, we got 11 days left. I mean, that means that we're probably going to exceed the 30 grand that I said yesterday. Oh, easily. If I we're mean, especially towards the end. We're averaging uh, about $1,000 a day giving, giving away. 1000 bucks a day? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, congratulations. Bravo. Uh, you know, and everybody's earning 10% points. Oh, yeah. Know? So, uh, people are getting points. Well, everybody that's people a preferred reefer anyway. Free stuff. It's all over the place. All right, well, anyway, Mr. Chili's anniversary. I'm going to nail these off super fast, and then we'll get to the, the heart of today's business. So this is everybody who's won from last Monday's live stream until this Monday. So that's four orders per day uh, refunded back up to $500 in rewards points. And then those of you with stuff in your wish list, like you should be, uh, it's probably more than 500 bucks. Okay. Uh, those people, too. Of the... One each day. Of all the wishlist people here, all but two, oh no, all but three figured it out, man. There was, do you see the one that's $496.95? That was almost well planned out to be right at 500 bucks. And it was like uh, Nero and a, a couple other things and, and then two small things that made just well, under 500. You know what, Michael? You saved me five bucks. So thank you very much. <laughs> all, right, all right, so we're gonna read them off super quick here. Uh, for the people who won uh, via their orders, uh, place an order and you got one of these little cards in your uh, in your box, man. Came free. Filled out by me. Awesome. Uh, Steve uh, Mondry, uh, $68.3. Uh, Robert Lyons, uh, oh, from Boca Raton. Robert Lyons uh, from Lincoln, uh, Nebraska, for eighty. Nine dollars. Uh, Jim McClant from Ohio, a hundred and seventeen dollars. Randy Raphael, uh, fifty-eight bucks from California. Uh, Sheen Lucasen, a hundred and sixty-nine dollars. Uh, Kara uh, Ching Saha, ninety-seven dollars. Uh, John Abernethy, fifty forty-seven or forty-six dollars. Uh, and uh, Sherry Ogle, uh, two hundred thirty-seven dollars uh, from Nevada. Right on. John, I don't know. So the printer went bad. So Ron uh, Moto something or another, uh, $130 from Groveland, Massachusetts. Tom Hudson, $140 from Bel Air. Uh, Sean Dorr, has anybody actually said, uh, like raised their hand in any of these sense? Oh, that was me. Oh, on, while we're live streaming? Nope. No, I don't know. All right, well. But uh, right, we're getting a lot of people to post the pictures of their cards on like SBRS TV and stuff. Oh, fun, cool. Uh, uh, Brett uh, Mondi, $165. Uh, Michael Hooks, uh, $44. Jonathan uh, Wargo, $254. Oh my God, there's so many. Uh, Daniel uh, Turley, uh, $49. Dip Gata, $99. Uh, Michael Van Hoot, uh, $130. Adam uh, Wendland, uh, $32. Uh, Stephen Pop, $96. Nice. Greg Johnson, $160. Dan, uh, I mean, this is just from last week, because there was two of these, we did this last week and the week before, and there's so many of these, I can't believe it. 
Uh, Dan Nugo, $107. And Sarah Landon, $113. Owell Welford, $500. Straight up. He, I think his order was 1000 in total, and he, you know, mm -hmm. half of that just got refunded back. I wonder what he's going to buy now. Awesome. Yeah, right on. Uh, Ron Hall, $209. Paul Allen, $6.70. Oh. Okay, well, there's a story behind that one oh. if you want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Okay. What is it? <laughs> well, he, uh, it was a plumbing part. And Adam uh, and Charlie were talking about what if this guy's what if it was this guy's order where he ordered everything but forgot one plumbing part, it and it was like no way. he oh. ordered he ordered a whole hundreds of dollars for his other order. But when I went back there at a random time and picked random orders, I got that one and it was his part that he missed. So I'm sorry we didn't get the whole thing random. Well, you gotta keep it real, but, man. But. Yeah. Hey, true. six bucks. Six bucks. <laughs> Didn't have that before. <laughs> oh, man. Bradley Miller, $439. Jesse Tharp, $45. Jesse Fuller, Fuller, 53 bucks. All right, so those are the people who placed the orders here. And I only got a couple more names to rattle off here for you. Wish list. These are the people that joined Preferred Reefer and uh, put stuff in your wish list. If at this point you're watching this and you don't have $500 of stuff in your wish list, you like man, you're just it's not free. keeping up with the game. This is free. It yeah. doesn't doesn't cost anything. You don't have to do anything other than click a couple things you really like, Throw put in it there. in your wish list, and then cross your fingers. Well, Drew Young figured it out. He's got three hundred and forty nine dollars, uh, and uh, that is from Guest uh, uh North Carolina. William uh, Withnell uh, said thirty dollars and forty six cents. So he might not even know what's going on yet. He might not. Uh, yeah, because that way he would add the whole thing. It could have been in there but for a while. Still, thirty bucks. I know. So it could have been from a long time ago. It yeah, there's be. once in a there's couple people of them that have stuff old. in their wish list from a long time ago. Uh, Mike Orlando, five hundred dollars. Uh, Cliffin Park, New York. Ryan Robertson, five hundred dollars. Oh, uh, Oregon, Illinois. Right. Uh, Preston Hoover, ninety nine ninety eight. Michael uh, Giordini, four hundred and ninety six dollars well and ninety five cents. Well planned out. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you, you should have added like a bag of fish food. That's the whole thing. <laughs> All right, uh, Charles Hamilton, uh, 500 bucks. He man. had a Trident in his wish list. Trident, really? Yeah. Well, now when the Trident comes out, it's free. Most of Almost. it. Almost. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, bravo. Cool. So join Preferred Reefer, celebrate fit, uh, Mr. Chili's 15-year uh, uh, anniversary with us, get 10x points from hever, uh, here on out, and then all the stuff that we do in the future. Like, uh, like you get to join for automatically. You don't have to worry about it. Because we give all kinds of free. We, with the Preferred Reefer, we also let people into the sales early. Yeah, So you want to, like, Your get it before it's all done, day, you know, yeah. gone. Uh, we sell out everything. You can get in there. Uh, I don't know. Ten times points. Uh, the first Saturday of each month, you mm -hmm. can earn ten times points. Right now, we're doing it all month long. But... Going forward, like you know, what we did, we should have done hmm. is uh, when we did the, pro, the, the tridents. You know, they released. I don't know how many of them when we first sold the first batch. They should have got all the preferred reefers. That's yeah. a tall order. Well, why not, man? I mean, you guys are the most engaged. They were out in yeah. eighteen. They were out in eighteen minutes of posting it. Yeah, but they should go to the most engaged people. I agree. Us, right? No, I so, agree. like, yeah. I click the link, become preferred reefer, and I'm gonna go badger Jeff. That next time this happens, man, preferred <laughs> reefer first. All right. So, uh, also keep an eye out. Look in, right your, here. in your orders, I, sp I sign the card, I place it in the thing, I put it in your order, and it goes out the door. Boom. And it uh, turns out, on the back here, uh, you can change out your dirty socks. Buy one, get one free. Or wait, wait. Buy two, get one free socks. There oh. you go. Well, no. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, so what's the next thing we're going to do? Uh, well, we got some questions to answer. All right. Uh, we didn't have too many comments about 24 hours of reefing, so I mean, no. 
from last we talked we had talked about it but uh, no we got some cool uh, questions that we pulled out of uh, Aspiris TV it's been a hot hot topic place uh, as of late 13,200 people in that group I think was the last time I checked on it so, part that gets me surprised every time I look is uh, there is seven to eight thousand people a day yeah so half of that 13,000 goes there every day and talks and talks and hangs out and asks questions answers questions yeah. uh, does whatever 90 some percent and, of them you know are. and uh, and we're just it's just growing dude I don't know it's fun uh, I, I I mean be prepared though and you join like your uh, feed is going to get your filled Facebook with feed? aquarium cool aquarium stuff really cool stuff yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like you I mean there's the worst thing you do the, actually the reason it gets filled is because you can't help but stop <laughs> so like you know, you're swooping through your phone, and then all of a sudden you see the fish stuff, and you're like, ah. Oh. And then you know what? Facebook's like, oh, he likes that. Well, sometimes you uh, like it. Yeah, sometimes you got to comment. But the problem is, is it figures out my brain, and so now all I see is the fish <laughs> stuff. I don't know. That's pretty awesome. All right, yeah. man. Uh, let's get the first question. All right, cool. Uh, let's talk about ATO containers. So. Uh, Pamela was wondering what RODI size container would everybody suggest for like a 90 gallon uh, tank. So basically, how do you size your ATO reservoir container is kind of what she's saying. Well, there's a couple of different methodologies to that. Yeah. Uh, One is, uh, for me, it's how much water I could stand to spill on my floor if something were to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, you know what? That's not true. Not true for me because for me, I had a 20-some gallon, like a, almost a 30-gallon brute trash can behind my tank that I use as an ATO container uh, for two reasons. One, because I was lazy and I didn't want to refill it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I did have to hand refill it, so I, when it would drain, I'd have to go down. But also, I was running caulkwasser too, so I had 30 gallons of caulkwasser ready to go. And it would last me like four weeks. So I didn't have to touch anything for about four weeks. Um, was it dangerous? Yeah, I mean, not dangerous. But, uh, I didn't have the level of redundancy that I could have, that I should have had on it. But I also had my like ATO reservoir tube on top of my tank that shot into the water rather than down on the sump. Uh, uh, I had a little breakout box um, float switch that would tell me when the reservoir was empty. So it would send me a notification through my apex and say, hey, your reservoir is empty, go fill it. So there's a couple things I did there, but that's as big as I went, but I mean, I'd say that there's two competing things. Uh, one is what he just said, which is don't make it bigger than if a catastrophic event happened that it would nuke your tank, mm. right? So, like uh, for instance, if I had a five-gallon bucket on the side of my 90-gallon, that was the question, right? 90 gallons. Yeah. Five-gallon bucket on the side of my 90-gallon tank. Uh, if I emptied five gallons in the tank. Probably no problem, you know. Like it, it'd be it wet floor, but it's no, not maybe not even, man. It might might actually fill it up to like the brim oh, of the trim or whatnot. Yeah. Like if I could put like a four, almost five gallons in here and not have it do anything. Right. Probably fill the sump up a little bit more or whatnot. So uh, the five gallons probably wouldn't even really affect anything. Probably mm. wouldn't go on my floor and it's totally safe. Yet uh, for me, it totally defeats many of the purposes. So one is to maintain stable salinity, right? right? So when you're adding that spout of fresh water, the salinity stays the same instead of like dumping water in every day and watching the salinity go up and down. Right, right. Uh, or every other day. The other one though is to stop the amount of work, you know, which is I gotta go fill up and replace evaporation all the time. And work, no big deal in the beginning, just part of owning a tank. Yeah. Year two, like I am looking for every way possible <laughs> to stop all the work that it is and maintain this tank so I can enjoy it and that 
I can, when I do have time, I can spend time cleaning it and making it look nice rather than film buckets, mm -hmm. you know? Well, like, I've got this little mangrove tank in my office, and it's probably, like, 10 gallons, 5 gallons or something like that. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm, I'm topping it off by hand. Uh, so I uh, one solo cup in the morning when I get here refills it back up to the main line. However, then with that small water volume, like the fluctuation in salinity for that I, of a one solo cup of water is like from 35 to like 40 when I get here. Really that high? Uh, it's a lot. On a small it's, little It's tank, weird. Right. Well, but, and then when I go, the, another problem is uh, when I leave for the weekend, I'm only gone for two days, come back Monday morning, mm -hmm. and the thing is now needs like two, two and oh, a half that's solo a good, cups. Another point about so a good point is you, you leave, yeah. Yep. All right, so uh, I'm going to say that I'm I'm going to just throw that whole thing in the trash and say I'm going to set up and install a uh, ATO that I believe in and is going to trust. Uh, I'm going to trust, and I'm going to have a series of backups in there that will prevent it from failing. Yeah. All right. So uh, in that case, as big of a container as you can possibly find, okay. uh, because then if I can go a whole month without topping it off, I will. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in many cases, I actually plumb it right up to the sump, and that's a whole other conversation. Right. But there are ways to do that totally safe, and there are ways to do that that are totally dumb. Right. Uh, <laughs> and don't do it the second way. So, uh, and I said in shade totally, but a reason, any reason hum, reasonable human being has put in this many of redundancy should assume success. Right, right, right. Uh, and so, in this case, uh, you know, I would try to find the biggest container. And often that is dictated by the biggest container that can either fit underneath your stand, mm -hmm. which on a 90 gallon tank is probably none almost because you probably got a sump underneath there and it's yeah. probably taking up most of your space, yeah. right? I, yeah, I had a five, one of those ATO five gallon uh, emerald ones from uh, Trigger that mm -hmm. fit under my 90 cube. Just, I mean, just right too. Like it, uh, it barely fit, but it fit. So I'm gonna tell you this also kind of depends on your spouse. Right, and like uh, for some people, like you're a single guy at home, or uh, maybe even lady, uh, putting a five gallon bucket next to your tank, maybe that flies. No big deal. I don't know. <laughs> I, like uh, my house, that doesn't fly. Cover it with a towel. Uh, so. uh, you know, I can't. I can't, uh, I can't just put a five gallon bucket. It, it like it doesn't match to the decor, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's like a couple steps up from that. So one, you can get one of the little synergy reef guy or uh, reef synergy guys makes a nice one, but mm -hmm. also the trigger, the trigger uh -huh. ones. Uh, and there are, you know, like nice little plexiglass box you can set next to the tank, sometimes underneath it. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can set it next to the tank and at least it looks like not a garbage pail. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, and maybe you could throw something on top of it. I don't know. Innovative Marine has that really nice, sh okay. it has its own wheels, it's clear, uh, it has a shelf that you can pull out and pour into the shelf so you're not oh. pouring, I trying to pour. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a bunch of options out there. but. Another one that I like to do in almost any case where I, I can't put the thing underneath there and I can't run a tube to another room or whatever, is I like to go to places like Home Goods or mm, yeah. uh, you know like some place that sells cheap furniture, right? Uh, and they often sell like chests. Yeah, footrests, chests, yeah, footstools, something with storage chess, inside of it. Anything that has storage inside of it, and then I put that as a piece of furniture next to the tank open up the chest and look, fish gear, all you can be, you know, like yeah, <laughs> all your fish gear all in one place. So uh, in there that I can put like a, you know, put five gallon bales, I could, you know, put an aquarium in there, you mm -hmm. know, I could put any kind of box that stores, you know, water yeah. inside of that thing, use that for my uh, top off, 
preferably something that has a big open top that's super easy to pour water into. So yeah. don't get like a carboy. I mean, then you're just gonna be using funnels and stuff like ah, that. Ah, it gets messy. Yeah, so, but yeah, I would absolutely find the biggest container I can fit inside of a decent looking piece of cheap furniture. Uh, home goods are in a lot of different uh, markets and mm -hmm. that's probably one of the better places to look. I'm uh, trying to think of what else would be a good option. I, I shop at, you know, the Goodwills, so oh, Goodwills. Uh, you can find like a little chest or something like that. Even the wicker basket, laundry basket, yep. uh, just weird. So somebody went to Home Goods, bought it, and then donated it to Goodwill. Randy picked it up. That so uh, that's probably a really super cheap way to pick that Absolutely. kind of thing up. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, that would be my, my thing. Get it as big as you can, but use it like in... I would, I would buy, personally, i just buy an oscillator. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll just say it. There are a whole bunch of auto top-offs out there. There's one that has never failed me off. I've been doing this for uh, well over a decade. Yeah. I know, I, I, and when I say well over a decade, man, I'm talking about not just like I have a tank at home that has one on it. It's on like every tank in this whole building. Probably 85% of the tanks in this office, and there's probably, there's a bunch of them. There's yeah, 30 like some tanks 30 some, yeah. Well, well, actually with all the test stuff, way more. So, yeah, I mean, they just don't fail off. You know, every once in a while, the sensor could get dirty. Uh, and, they, they don't fail, fail on. on. Uh, they could get dirty and they just wouldn't turn on because you're total neglect. We clean it and it's just fine. What it doesn't do is get stuck on. And even mm -hmm. if it does get stuck on, there are some safety measures for how long it'd even be on and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. So it's just, it's just bulletproof uh, for for the most part and then and then you can also hook it up to if you decide to get adventurous and you decide to you know hook your uh rodi and put in the redundancies and all this other stuff you can plug in the solenoid uh the tunesy solenoid to your 3155 osmolator mm -hmm. and then have it run that too um so you can it's so it's expandable too i mean you can do whatever you want with it I don't know if this guy exists still, uh, but I like the different technologies too. Like in that one, it's got the little like la la laser eye and then a float. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the fact that there's a float actually instead right. of not just another laser eye because the what things that make one thing fail make the other one fail. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, like I like uh, differing technologies, moving parts and uh, electronic components. So, like way, 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 way back when I bought a thing. I don't know if this guy still exists or not, but it's autotopoff.com. Hmm. It was just a little box with a relay in it and two floats and it was super cheap. And I'm like, oh, that's my thing. Yeah. I want cheap, right? Yeah. And so like I plugged it in and I feel like I got two floats, you know? But okay, you know what? What, have, what makes one fail makes the other one fail and salt creep hit them both. <laughs> you know, there's just splash on it and then the thing dumped 10 gallons of kelp washer in my tank, Yeah. right? And so, you know, nearly wiped out everything. The uh, only reason it didn't is because I woke up at the, the sound of it at 3 a.m. and I knew that I just filled it and it should not be gurgling like that. Uh, and so I ran out there and then poured a bunch of vinegar in the tank and, you know, uh, stopped to get the pH back yeah. down and save everything but the Xenia and the crabs. Uh, and the Xenia actually came back, damn it. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I, I like the fact that now, so the one thing that failed also, there's little magnetic rods that go up and down inside those little float switches. So a lot, another common one is like a power surge. Freezes them Freeze together, the man. Content. Yeah, so what causes one to yeah. fail are the little sparks and stuff yeah. makes the other one fail. But in this case, in the oscillator's case, the mechanical float switch is actually the uh, the high reference yep. point, in which case, if it freezes the contacts together, it means it freezes it in an off position. Well, they wouldn't freeze because they'd be apart from each other. Apart from each other. Yeah. Which but like it means if there, it means if there is a, uh, uh, so if it, 
uh, surge in your power or whatnot, yeah, they're yeah. already separated, so they're unlikely to start to hit unless it, it happened the moment that it was triggered. Yeah, and and then with that in mind, then uh, if if your optical sensor doesn't stop the water from going in, the automatic ten minute timer of pushing water will automatically stop it. So, uh, all right. I'm anyway. going to move on from my love affair of the oscillator. So, uh, I love that thing, but uh, I would definitely use that one and big as containers I can find. And uh, so that kind of answers, well, not answers Tony closes closest uh, question, Tony. but Tony kind of, he wants to know what's the best. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, uh, I, I think that's a universal statement, like almost. And, and yeah. not everybody wants to spend 200 bucks on an auto top-off, but everybody who wants the, I mean, best can be defined a whole lot of ways. Tons. But I can tell you that there are a ton of ton of reefers here and a ton of ton of tanks here and a ton of uh, phone, I mean, I can't even imagine how many phone calls that we get on this stuff. And if you want the one that has proven to be the most reliable here, that's it. There you go. And end of story. Okay. Uh, it's the one I would choose. How about that? All right. There you go. <laughs> uh, next one. Next one. Uh, yeah. Let's take a look at the established. Oh, so. So it looks like we're upgrading a tank here, John is, and he's or he wants to restart it, and he's got some established acro colonies uh, mm -hmm. on his rocks. Kind of wants to know what the best way to go is to remove them, and I guess, and then put them back in. Okay, so he's gonna restart the tank. Man. So one of the best things you could do is uh, find a friend that has a tank that can, you know, take these things for you. So, right. uh, that has an established aquarium, because if you're gonna try to set up a second aquarium and then like maintain it and think it's gonna be stable like your last one, good luck, man. It's gonna take you, well, and, and it will be, it could be eventually, but it's just gonna take uh, an amount of time yeah, to get there. Uh, like how long did it take you to grow that acro from frag to colony where you have to cut it off the rock? Um, at, you at least have to wait that long, you know, yeah. on, a, on a new tank. It's it's going to be a, a real, uh, it, it's going to be a challenge, man. And so some people are really good at it and uh, have done it a hundred times, move tanks, set them up. One of the things too is like, if you're setting up your second tank, mm -hmm. a lot of people like to kind of take a breath, you know, and uh, some time. really think about what they're going to do for the second one and yeah. plan it out. Mm -hmm. And if you got a tub of corals on the floor over here and you know, waiting every moment for you to figure your stuff out man like clock, uh, clock is ticking, clock on, is that ticking one. on you so it's not that it can't be done it's just that it, it's a lot harder mm -hmm. and so if you can if you got a friend or you know something that can care for your animals for you while you're not ready to mm -hmm. uh, which is you know the reality of it yeah uh, then utilize that friend otherwise uh, you know do what I did Start more tanks in the basement early you before you think about. Starting oh yeah, long it. before. Yeah. yeah, go go set up a frag tank in the basement. Even a twenty long, you know, you could probably make a decent frag tank long enough to hold your corals while you do something else. Uh, also, like people like to use uh, like uh, horse troughs and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. you can use one of the nice thing about getting like a big old horse trough is that the volume of water in that thing is super big. So you know, a horse troughs probably three hundred gallons usually. Seven. I've seen them at seventy some gallons. And I've seen them upwards of three hundred gallons. Yeah, I was gonna say trough. the one that I got was maybe like one hundred eighty, one hundred ninety, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so anything that's gonna like go wrong now as your tank is not stable is gonna go wrong much slower than if yeah. you tried to put it into a tiny, tiny frag tank. True, you true, know, true, like true. things go wrong and those things fast. 
So uh, if you get a big volume of water, and I say horse trap, you can get those at like a fleet farm. They probably don't have those in your area. But, uh, they, <laughs> Tractor uh, supply type store, yeah. feed, yeah, stuff like that. Anywhere you would buy like uh, Online's overalls. Online is a, a horrible place a to gun, try to shoot. <laughs> uh, fishing, cheap, fishing poles. Cheap peanuts. And camouflage clothing. Yes, yeah. that place. They have, <laughs> they, have, uh, <laughs> they have horse troughs there, man. Uh, like every store is good for reefing, I got to say, man. Yeah. You know? We just hired somebody from Home Depot, mm -hmm. and she couldn't tell me how many people come in there for aquarium-related stuff. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've got a good question about that later on in the, oh, in the right, thing. Cool. But yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so getting back to his question, say you had to remove one of these big giant colonies in how here, would how off? would you get it off? I, you're, if you want to maintain the integrity of the colony, depending on how it grows, like we got a stag in here that's growing all sorts of ways to sort of get at the base of that thing. The so reality is, is you're probably not going to be able to get the base off, though. You know, like the you know the coral's based out. You're mm -hmm. probably only going to get the colony portion of right. it off, right? Uh, and even then, you might want to cut a couple clippings of it off the sides, just in case the whole colony does not like what you just did to it. Yeah. At least you can save some of the, you know, original tissue. I mean, you want to talk about an instant destabilizer to that coral's life it's is cut off its cutting it off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So you never know what will happen from that. But outside of that, chisel. So get a nice sharp chisel from uh, the uh, hardware store. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're looking at it saying, oh, I could buy the $5 one or I could get the $25 one, think about how much coral you got in there and how easy this project's going to be and get the good one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe a little rubber mallet or something, you know, uh, uh, tap it. Make sure you're not going through the glass, though, uh, like whatever angle you're doing it. You know, we, another good one here is we off to the side here. We have that uh, Gryphon. We've got this saw. It's a coral band saw type mm -hmm. thing. And... You know, for the most part, depending on the rock you have, it can cut through some of those rocks. So uh. if you have a friend or or even like your local fish store, like uh, here's yeah. here's the deal I would make to the local fish store is, hey, I'll buy you a replacement saw blade for your little coral saw if you let me trim my corals off of that thing with your saw. I mean... It depending on the saw, actually, now that you think about it, man, is uh, depending on the rock you got, you can hacksaw it off too. Oh, so yeah. you can take the whole rock out. If you got a giant colony, you don't want to mess it up. Mm -hmm. Like you and you, it's got a, it's already based out, and you're just super heavy with it. Yeah. Cut that piece of rock right oh, off, yeah. man, and you know, you'd probably be good with that. I know on some of the pukani that I had, uh, I had, um, you know, pukani is pretty soft, and you can easily get some bone cutters in between the different porous, tight, larger porous areas. And then I can cut, kind of cut around the thing, and then eventually just break it off. I like Terrence's. Terrence was here this last week, and uh, he was telling me about the way he aquascapes his uh, his tanks. Because uh, if you guys haven't seen Terrence's tank, uh, full of acros and whatnot, but he takes those like uh, we used to call them Tonga, I guess Tonga branch, but any type of branch type rock, like real reef, I think has some branchy type rock. So he'll build out this branch type structure and he'll just glue little acros on there. And then as the acros grow or he needs more, you just kind of wedges, cantilevers, you know, different more branches in. So when it comes time, and Terrence and I were talk just talking about this, when it comes time, like if he needs to remove something, uh, he can uncantilever one of those branches out of the existing structure. And now mm. he's got it on a branch. He can probably break that thing off, move it to something else. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. smart. Yeah, well, Terrence you know, is a smart guy. Yeah, so it, that's cool <laughs> if you can if you can think about that stuff ahead of time, you know. And uh, like I, I'm gonna move in a matter of years, you know. If you can glue down a certain kind of like, uh, like I like to not use frag plugs because they're hideous. Yeah, uh, yeah. Big white plug in there. But if you can glue it, the coral 
chew a piece of rubble mm -hmm. and then glue the rubble to the rock, the chances that you can break that rubble off when the time comes is really high. Yeah. You know, uh, even if it's based out all over it, mm -hmm. if I hit it in the right way with the chisel, that thing's going to pop right off and then I got my whole thing. Uh, in relation to the chisel like and, and any of these tools and stuff, you know, if you can, you know, just take the whole thing out of the water and work with it out of the water because it'll be way, 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 way easier. Yeah. And most of these corals can survive out of the water for a really long time. And you know, if you got your you know, favorite buddy, come over here and they can just like miss it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. Chisel is a big one. Uh, if you got an opportunity to take it all the way out, the, the guy fun saw yeah. there. The uh, uh, hacksaw is a, another fine option. Or just frag it into pieces. Yeah, or, you, or you know, I, I don't know. For me, generally from tank teardown to tank uh, next tank is usually a year. Oh, like, yeah. Because I I, I'm not doing the same tank, and I'm going to go up. So if you can, another option is to sell it all, right? It and, could. you know, go on to your favorite Facebook group or whatnot and start selling all your corals out as mm -hmm. much as you can. And, you know, like fund the next tank yeah absolutely. you know uh, and so uh, like a lot of the stuff's pretty easy to sell in those environments you know as long as you know how to ship it and whatnot. and i mean if you can maintain the integrity of a colony i've had corals that i've sold in colony form go mm -hmm. way more than what it could have been if i fragged it all into pieces really oh yeah oh i've seen the opposite uh like, like if you're willing to frag it all up and grow them all out you can actually it's harder to sell that many though you know yeah selling one colony because colonies are hard to come by these days <laughs> you know, like to be able to like find that like your average store. Oh yeah. Because most of them are chopping them up. You know, mm -hmm. they come out of the ocean and they chop chop shop it up because it's uh, way more lucrative to yeah. sell, you know, 120 little frags than it is to sell one colony. Because one colony in the same breath would be really expensive. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, man. Oh, there's Ton. There's uh, Terrence. Terrence is, uh, so what does he say? He's got a bunch of frags that need homes. Who's coming over? Ah, if you live in the California area. <laughs> or not. Or hey, he, not. Didn't, he was just here, man. Did I don't know why he didn't bring me any. He didn't bring anything. That's terrible. He didn't even bring me a new reagent for the Trident. I know. Hey, Terrence, if you're watching, we need a reagent. We want to do a little hands-on video. For those of you who saw the Red Sea one, man, we want to do uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the Trident one, but we ran out of reagent. Overnight is to us, so we can uh, like get our first uh, impressions of the Trident out there for the universe. Yeah. Uh, I was going to email you, but I mean, this is just as effective, I guess. There you go. All right. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Uh, uh, next question? Yeah, let's move on. Uh, oh, this is a pretty quick one, probably. I don't know. Uh, but it's interesting. So, uh, Stuart was asking what's everyone's favorite DI resin to use because he's trying to find out what to replace it with. So, I guess we have four or five different options if you mm -hmm. think about it we got the mixed bed the standard mixed bed which we've had for a long time which is anion color changing right mm -hmm. then we've got the pro series so your cation your anion separated and then the cation color changing mixed bed and yeah, it's confusing. I, yeah. so yeah, which one's your favorite so uh, a vast majority of cases a, a single bed of normal mixed bed resin S is going to work for a vast majority of people yeah right and so I'd only like really switch up from that for a couple of different reasons. Mm -hmm. One is uh, like I have a distinct problem I'm trying to solve. So yeah. like a good example of that is, hey man, every time I go to my bin, it smells like ammonia. Well, that's probably because you have super high pH water and the ammonia gas is making it all the way through the mm -hmm. resin or all the way through the membrane. And because the ammonia gas doesn't have an electrical charge, it's also going through your DI resin, yeah. right? 
And so, hey, well, I need to solve that. Uh, another one would be I have really low pH mm. and uh, have tons of silica in my water. Oh, yeah. Right? In that form, uh, I can't remember exactly what the form it takes, but it, it is uh, very difficult to remove silica at that super low pH. So And so that does then it eats up, quote unquote, your resin a lot faster? It actually misses it. It misses it. Yeah, because ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. it turns into like a, a stable form with a weak charge. So, uh, you know, these are kind of really oddball things, though. Mm -hmm. that, like, uh, the chances that you have super high silica and you have super low pH water are, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Rarer. Right. Uh, and so you're trying to solve real problems. Otherwise, I just stick with the one. Uh, if you can, though, uh, you know, if I'm just going to use that, I really like to use two. And there's two reasons for it. And it, it won't, you'll actually make money in the long run probably out of using two. Uh, but like when you use two, it's not going to perform any better. You're not going to miraculously have double zero uh, TDS yeah, or right. triple, quadruple zero. It's still going to be zero. You're probably not going to remove a whole lot of anything extra. What's going to happen though is as this thing depletes and goes towards the top, you know, I had a full 10 inches of resin that it was, uh, you know, passing through in contact time and whatnot. Mm -hmm. As I hit the top here, I only really got an inch of resin that's cleaning my water and I better be around the moment that that fails. Oh yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> otherwise, it just barfs TDS into the next container ah. or into my water. And so, one of the two things is going to happen when it hits that end point. A, I'm going to miss it, and TDS is going to go in the water. But, like the way that these things work is they don't like uh, you know uniformly just remove average TDS throughout it, and you'll just get some like random stuff coming out the back. It actually like uh, purges. Up, yeah. yeah. So it actually, if you could like see it, it would stratify throughout the thing with the things that it has the weakest link for. So the first one, weakest link, ammonia. So you got this band at the very top, which is ready uh, to go at all times. Super time. high concentration ammonia. Ammonia. Second one, super high concentration uh, silica. I, I might be getting the raw, this, the last two we are mixed. And then the next one is uh, no, it goes ammonia, phosphate, silica. I think. The, Right. The three the, things we don't want yeah. in the tank is about to puke into the next container. If you don't have anything in that next stage, then into your yeah, water. You got super high concentration of ah. ammonia goes in there. So you don't want that. Nobody wants that. So you got one of two options. Is uh, you're going to remove the container before you hit the end. You do not want to use the whole DI thing to its end point until it starts reading more than zero because it's just gonna tend, send tons of bad stuff in your water you don't want. Yeah. So you save it for the last uh, three quarters inch or whatnot right. and then toss it out. Yeah. All right. Which is good to have, so like if I'm running dual DI rather than single, I follow the first one until it gets three quarters of an inch, mm -hmm. pull it out, move the next one over, add brand new one to the right, and I just could keep doing that and perpetually that second one is just saving me from the, a big perch. And you could even actually just let it go, you know, like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't suggest this. I'd still probably remove it before it gets the right, end. Right, right, right. It's less of a concern because I have a full second DI over on the right-hand side, yeah. right, and it will flow into that one. And then when the time comes, you like you said, move it into the first one, put brand new DI resin there. So you're not buying any more DI other than the canister itself in the initial one. You know, right. And you're probably in over the course of five bags of this probably pays for itself. Right, right. All right. So there are some things out there. Say so if you go around, you know, there's like all these gimmicky names like, you know, silica attacker and yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And you'll notice when you look at it that it's just normal DI resin with a little bit of something on the bottom or the top, depending yeah. on how they oriented it. And uh, all that is is a little band of anion resin on the bottom. Yeah, the, right? the 
stuff on its own, not yep. instead of mixed. So normal resin's mixed. There's cation and anion resin that are mixed up together. And on the bottom, it's just a little layer of that stuff on the bottom. And the reason for that is it changes the pH and changes it into a form that's super easy to remove and enough set. So you could pay 30 bucks or something for that extra thing, or you could buy a bag of it and just throw an inch of that on your own yeah. and call it a day. Right. Uh, I think even more efficient than that, though, is to split it all out. Separate Right? It. And that's where you start, it gets more complicated, but actually it's easier once you understand what you're doing. So if I have a whole thing of cation resin, a whole thing of anion resin, and then a mix bed, the mix bed's just a polish and probably should last almost forever. What happens is I'm only removing the things from the water that are actually positively or negatively charged. And because the anion one actually gets depleted about twice as fast as this one, I'm saving a ton of money. No, so yeah. like if you already own double or triple, add another container, buy another thing of resin, probably cost you 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. It'll probably pay for itself in a single year. Mm -hmm. Not only man, is it saving you money, but it's also greener. And because it's super high pH and super low pH, it changes the contaminants into a variety of different forms that will absolutely be removed on one of them. So one of these stages will remove any, you know, I, I, I can't say every last thing because right. that just doesn't exist in the planet. Right, right, right. But I, I haven't found a single instance of where it won't remove something that someone needs to remove from right. the tank. So uh, that would be the best. It's what we use now for every RODI unit in here in-house. We go through a lot of water. So personally, I, I wouldn't pay for like the gimmicky uh, silica attacker deluxe uh, myself, but uh, you know it's up to you. The one thing I would avoid at all costs, actually, is like a little known thing, is uh, there, there's two types of DI canister. There's one that you screw on the top oh, yeah. and one you screw on the bottom. Okay, and so the ones that screw on the top, garbage. Like, don't use them. I, I don't know why they even sell it. Just leaks water out out yep. of the top of the thing, right? So it's not even push forcing the water all the way through. The, you get bypass, essentially. You get bypass, yeah. yes. So the way these things work is water like goes down the bottom of the container, go flows into On there, the edge. and then goes up through the bottom of the, of the DI canister and there's then only, up to the DI resin. There's only one way out, and that's through the DI. And because it's got that rubber seal on the top of it, it seals it on the cap of the, can, uh, the canister of your RODI container, and now water definitely has only one way out, it has to go through the DI resin. It has to go through the top, and because we did, or the, through the cap on the bottom. And because of that, uh, like it doesn't really matter, the cap on the bottom, like doesn't matter if it's screwed or sealed perfectly, mm -hmm. the water still has to go through the bottom. You can bypass the threads, it still has to go through the cartridge, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The ones on the top, the screw on the top, the water will actually go right through the threads there. Most of them don't have a very good seal, yeah. and they're just a, stupid way to do it. Sometimes they look nicer, but they perform poorly. Okay. And one of the easiest ways to tell uh, that that's happening for you, or even with the ones on the bottom, that it's time to throw the cartridge out and get a new one because the rubber seal on the top is bad, is people will complain all the time, like, hey, my thing uh, isn't filling with water, it's just filled with air. Yeah. Well, when the water, and uh, there's air in there when you screw it together, when the water goes in, like, the air has nowhere to go. It's not, air floats. Won't go right? through the canister. It's not going to go through the water and come out, right? And eventually, over time, it might, like, pressurize a little bit slowly, you know, come yeah. out. But, like, uh, for the most part, and I, I tell people if you wanted to, you can open up the bottom, just kind of let it fill and, you know, and close crank it, it back up. Shut it, if, if that visually matters to you. But it's still doing the same thing. If your canister doesn't do that, meaning that it actually fills all the way with water, yeah. it means you have a leak. 
because ah. it should not be able to do that. Yeah. So it means that you have a leak either on the seal uh, or uh, a pinhole of something yeah. somewhere. So essentially, like if I'm looking at the bottom of my my DI canister and I've only got like three inches of water, it's a ten inch canister. It's the downward. It's the pressure coming through the line uh, that the air is pressurizing that canister so water is still being forced through i only see this much of it but there is water coming through and that shouldn't have to be full okay yeah and so if you have one that screws on the top you can actually look in in the canister mm. and see that it filled up right to the crack where the screw on tap goes oh, yeah. right yeah, and no yeah. oh well definitely that's my problem you know <laughs> and we tested it and it's not like you know it's catastrophic like, uh, like it's, it's going to bypass, and some of the, the water isn't going to go through the DI resin. Right. It's not going to produce water that's going to kill your tank or anything. But if I'm going to buy one or the other, I'm going to buy the one that works. Yeah. You know, like the one that, like, uh, it, it also kind of shows me that the person that's selling this thing has thought about it. Right. Right. right like, right. we're like, okay, we're, we're going to sell the one that actually does its job. And if we don't, like, what else are you thinking about? <laughs> you know? So what else are you missing? So, yeah. And... For those of you that don't know, the, all of the other canisters, what happens is like in the carbon block sediment mm -hmm. filter, the water goes through the side or in, goes through the sides of the carbon block and then goes up. Yeah. For those of you that were like, well, what if you flipped it around, you sent the water going down the DI resin, mm -hmm. you know, then it would fill with water. And you're right. Except mm -hmm. for uh, the opposite would happen. Now air would get caught inside, inside of the DI canister, the DI can, which yeah. is really bad. Little cartridge inside. Yeah. Yeah. It could possibly fluidize that way too. So we, we just don't want the air stuck inside the canister or the cartridge. Yeah. We want it in the canister and that's why it's done that way. If And we don't want it to be the DI to come through the sides either because it would de deplete ununiformly. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something uh, to be said about that nice uniform depletion line as it changes color going up. And yeah. I can just, I don't even, sometimes I don't even need to read TDS. Mm -hmm. I see that my color band has changed all the way up to the, the top of the neck. I'm just going to pull it out and swap it. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the, the way that works is there is a color changing dye inside the resin. And so inside the standard mixed bed resin, there is actually a... a two beads inside there. One mm. looks uh, relatively clear, clear yeah. and one of them looks brown, a golden color, right? <clears throat> or, or uh, okay, one actually looks blue and one is golden color, okay. right? And then uh, that's right now it's all filled with uh, the proper charge around it. And as it's given off all the ions and exchanging for the contaminants, the pH changes inside that dye and it turns clear. And when it turns clear, you can now the, see the gold ones. The only thing you can see is the yeah, gold yeah. one. So it turns from blue to gold by changing the uh, pH inside of the little dye. And that's why you get to see it watch and why it's a really good indication actually of its capacity is because when that little bead is given off all, all of its uh, hydroxides or its uh, hydrogens, mm -hmm. then it changes the pH inside the bead and then it's really, really good indication. Hmm. The only time that it doesn't work real uh, good yeah. Water when, source. Yeah, your water source naturally has an extremely high pH or extremely low. Yeah. So here in Minneapolis, sometimes like if you run it too long, you may watch like the bottom of your resin turn back to blue, huh. right? <laughs> and it's because our pH here is like 10. Yeah. And so after it's like literally given up every single last hydroxide, uh, it will turn back to blue. And you'll kind of see a band that it like chases it to the top. Oh, does yeah. not mean that it's recharging. <laughs> uh, it just means the pH or your water has defeated the yeah. dye.
Yeah, so for sure. They're usually a really good indication, especially at the top of your depletion, uh, but like TS meter is the best. So, favorite Oof. resin, Pro Series. Mix them uh, up, I, separate them out. There isn't a scenario where I, because I live in Minneapolis here, yeah. uh, and I just moved in a new house that's got well water that like literally stinks. So there's no scenario where I'm not gonna use <laughs> it. it. Because it also just saves money. Yeah. So in the end, like I'll spend a couple of bucks up front to make sure that it's cheaper. It also lasts longer, meaning like with all three of these things, I change out uh, a thing of resin like probably one third of the time that I normally mm. would, mm. Uh, especially because each one is optimized to last its total length. And I'm not like the greenest human being on the planet, but I do look for like a handful of ways when it's really easy for me, I will definitely try to do that. Yeah. And in this case, if I can get all of it and not throw out waste, man, uh, that to me fits that bill for sure. Cool. All right. Uh, we can, let's take a, we got to take these questions quick. Right. There's a couple topics I still want to get to. Uh, uh, the uh, dash cave. So uh, the dash cave. I just upgraded to a six stage. Source water is treated with silicate and phosphate. How do you set, where's it, what I missed? Uh, how would you set up the filters? Anion and normal resin in the final two chambers? No, I'd actually set it up like the cation, anion, and mixed bed. There's a reason yep. why it's cation, anion, yep. and then mixed afterwards, right? Yeah, so the cation will pull out all the positively charged things. You're like uh, calcium and whatever. There's a list of things in there. The anion will pull out the things. I think it pulls out the, the cation will pull out, like the ammonia. Mm -hmm. The anion will pull out, I believe, the silica and uh, phosphate and other things. But one of them's taking positively charged stuff out. The other one's taking negatively charged stuff out. And it's exchanging for hydroxide and uh, hydrogen. And so when it exchanges two of those things, they form to create H2O, which is just pure water. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's important that you run both. Now, there are instances where you could go ahead and just run the, if you only had two canisters. Like an anion and a mix bed? Yep, so in your case, you could just run an anion uh, canister in there and then a mix bed. Mm -hmm. However, what you're probably gonna wanna do in that instance is run the Pro Series uh, uh, the, the cation mix bed, mix bed yeah. or the Pro Series mix Pro bed. Pro Series mix yeah, bed, yeah. which has the dye in the cation rather than the anion. There's videos on this whole thing, so you can watch, <laughs> like, you know, totally geek out on the whole thing yeah. uh, more than we were explain here. In, in reality, though, uh, I mean, one of these canisters costs like six bucks, you to know, or I don't know, maybe ten bucks. Yeah. yeah, get a bracket and just do all three, and then you know you got it, and it's way more straightforward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so. Like you, you could solve the whole thing for probably 30 bucks and do the best solution uh, yeah. for your instance. And especially if, if your water is riddled with silicate and phosphorus, uh, I mean, why start with bad water? Why, like, if you already know that's your problem and solve it the whole way. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, Jake wants to know what kind of test kit does BRS use to test chloramines? Uh, hmm. Test strip. Yeah. Okay, so where, where's that one? Uh, second to the bottom. Okay, so uh, chloramines is two things. It's just chlorine mixed with ammonia, which makes it more stable, gets down the line longer. You know, uh, there's two things it does. There's, the cities are using it everywhere now, so I bet you half of municipalities are using it now. It's it's all over the place mm -hmm. and because it does two things. One, it allows the disinfecting to get way, way, way farther down the line mm -hmm. than chlorine. Chlorine's really unstable and just dissipates rapidly. The other thing it does is it creates uh, way fewer trihalomethanes or something like that, mm. uh, which are cancerous and toxic, and the EPA now has a like, you know, limit on uh, how many of these disinfection byproducts uh, 
One of them is like chloroform. Uh, in the right instances, uh, chlorine turns into chloroform. And uh, there's a whole variety of disinfection byproducts that they limit. And it's way easier to, to maintain those levels low with chloramines rather than chlorine. And so everybody's using it. The best way to test for it is use a total and free chlorine test strip. They're probably 13 bucks or something on our website. You get 25 of them. You'll dip it in your water and it'll tell you, I have 10, or I mean, I have three total chlorine in my water and zero uh, free chlorine. Mm. That means that I got ammonia, or, or uh, I mean, I, I got chloramines. Mm. So free chlorine is just chlorine. Total chlorine is chloramines. Oh, okay. So if those numbers differ, you have chloramines in there, right? Mm -hmm. If uh, it says total chlorine and free chlorine are the exact same number and they're both three, that means your total chlorine and your free chlorine are the same, which means all of the chlorine is free, just normal chlorine. Okay. If you have near zero free chlorine and a lot of total chlorine, it's it's uh, uh, chloramines. Better yet, if that confuses you, call your city and say, hey, is the water treat with chloramines? Yeah. And be aware, they change seasonally in many areas. Oh, right? yeah. So they have water, they have issues uh, treating the water in uh, different, know, different temperatures. Different, different temperatures, yeah. different, uh, like I can tell you, like uh, my water here in Minneapolis turned green once because the river oh. had high nutrients in it, and, like yeah. super gross. Yeah. Uh, water in the, you wouldn't tell it in a glass of water, we fill the bathtub up and it has this green tint huh. to it. Yeah, disgusting. So they uh, have to, you know, treat the water differently at different periods of time. So, uh, you know, you never really know. So you might want to ask Claire. Turns out too, man, like I, I hate to say it this way, but. There's a lot of people that call these uh, water things and they shrug their shoulders and say they don't know. I mean, these are the people that put the stuff in the water to begin with. And it's like you're wasting their time trying to get the yeah. answer. So the, for chloramines though, the, here's the thing, is you're almost better off just treating it like you have it because all it is is buying a couple of carbon blocks that are made for this thing. And it turns out the carbon blocks that are made for chloramines, which work really well and is super hard to treat disinfectant, work five to ten times as as good on chlorine as well yeah so like well the standard carbon block works for 10,000 gallons on chlorine you know the the specialized ones will work like 50,000 gallons on chlorine so either way man you're probably better off it costs you a few extra bucks big thing is you need two of them yeah uh, common misconception is that like a chlorine block is or carbon block is like 100% effective it'll protect you all the time all it does is remove it in fact, like with the KX technology ones, I'm pretty certain that the standard there is 50% breakthrough. Oh, wow. Like, That's it's good lot. for 20,000 gallons, up to 50% of it making its way through. That's a terrible standard, right? <laughs> uh, and that's like the most widely used carbon block in the uh, planet. So it's not shame on them or anything. That's just kind of the standard that people yeah. use for these things. It's mm. crazy. Uh, so like the big thing is to use one that works really well and use a second one. So this one will probably reduce it 80% and then this one will reduce it 80% of that and then the rest of filtration will get it. Uh, so uh, two carbon blocks, use a specialized one. Ours is universal for your reference point. We buy the universal ones from the largest supplier of the plant for these things. Yeah. And the reason that we buy it is actually so we can make it cheaper. So uh, if we had to sell you the name brand one, it'd be about $5 more per block. Jeez. Yeah, and so we are able to buy them container loads and avoid the like map pricing on these things. So. Uh, That's for you. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you ever seen a carbon block side by side, and we have some old videos and stuff, like mm -hmm. the uh, universal versus your standard, uh, 
the amount of carbon in one universal is near double. See, you know, I like those things when you can say, like, people say, oh, oh you have my products better. Right? Yeah, or yeah. Whatever. Right? whatever does that mean? Yeah. Uh, better, everybody says that stuff. Uh, when you can pick it up and say, oh, man, this one weighs twice as much as that one. Yeah. Right? There's like more carbon in the carbon <laughs> bottle. And then when I look at it, instead of this giant quarter size hole going down the middle of it, yeah. it's like a pencil size hole. Like, yeah. This one carbon. is going to perform better. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that, that isn't like guaranteed, but like when all the other things come together, there's a reason why this thing uh, will perform better. Yeah, for right? sure. So, yeah, I like it when those things come together. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, any uh, other questions? Now, before we get, before we have to close out today, I want to get to this question that we promised in the description and everything. Mm, all right. So, uh, it's a pretty fun one. Uh, Non-reefing. So, I, I went around the office and asked the same question too, but Matthew's wondering, what are some of the most useful tools and products you found that you're, uh, to, for your tank that's not specifically built or marketed for the reefing hobby? All right, I'm gonna let you go first because I'm real on here. Okay, yeah. so one of the first things that came to mind to me was egg crate diffuser, light diffuser. Mm. Uh, I use it for a hundred different purposes. Frag racks uh, is probably the biggest one. Actually as light diffuser to keep you know fish in or things like that. You can build little stands for your skimmers. You can build all kinds of like, I've seen erector set type structures from people who had built uh, out of egg crate and, and all the different uses for egg crate. Uh, good trap for, or good place to hold you know anemones when you're trying to get clowns to like host them. I mean, there's a variety of different things and fun things that you can do with it. Uh, that was one. Another one that we talked about, I kind of asked the office, uh, a standard turkey baster. Mm. That counts. Yep. Um, for a variety of things. Feeding, mostly. Uh, for a lot of us, it's feeding. For uh, other people, it's just maintenance. Dental tools, man. Oh, yeah, we got them right here. Got a few. Uh, yeah, so dental tools. Uh, I mean, Medi medical and dental I tools. I wonder if you like see that in my head, but putting these out here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Dental tools uh, are absolutely one of them. So bone cutters and all yeah. those kinds of things, yeah. man. So little do you know, we buy all these things, say bulk resupply on them, but uh, we buy them in India from uh, dental suppliers. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of this stuff is comes from the same place, you know. I mean, we brought in a we brought in a whole line of, or a whole name brand of products that are specifically designed for kitchen use. Oh like yeah, the Oxo. Oxo. All the Oxo stuff is mm -hmm. none of it is made for reefing. I can't tell you how hard that was to nail. I mean, I worked on that one. <laughs> like, for, I mean, it was not their biggest what are you opportunity. What guys gonna do with it? Yeah, yeah but I wouldn't like. Uh, wasn't the biggest opportunity in the universe, but like, hey man, it's like having a bowl and like a strainer and stuff yeah. for stuff is so nice. Like I want to like rinse out my uh, 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 calcium reactor media, having a strainer in there and just being able to rest every time I gotta change my media. Aquarium should ever touch my mouth. <laughs> uh, that's the rule. Biggest one, mm. one of the biggest ones. Yeah, Superlue is not a reefing product, but it works. No, uh, on any of your tanks, calc, calc reactor and a calcium reactor. No, no, I have seen and have friends that run a calcium reactor and caulk washer like auto top off, treated caulk in there while they're running uh, a calcium reactor. Granted, this is like a five, six hundred gallon system, ties system in his garage from that I know from Manhattan, Kansas, uh, but. It helps. Uh, he had one. He, the, the ventilation in the garage was pr fairly poor. Mm -hmm. So you know, as far as like the house and the dogs and everything being uh, the CO2 from that, you know, bringing down the CO2 in the in the aquarium or in the garage tank room, on top of using a calcium reactor, which kind of brings it down. The caulkwasser was there for pH purposes. So most people, if you're going to run a calcium reactor and a caulkwasser will do it for the purpose of raising the pH in the tank. Right. So, uh, I will absolutely achieve that. Yeah. Right? 
However, like what you're doing now is taking two different methods of maintaining calcium alkalinity, and instead of having one and trying to balance it to the tank, I'm now trying to balance two of them with the tank, mm -hmm. and one of them, uh, being the Kalkwasser, is heavily dependent on the freshness or whatnot, or the d capacity of the Kalkwasser uh, in the reactor when it's depleted, and it's not super easy to tell, uh, but like when it's depleted. So now I have two levers, and one of them slowly gets less effective at this, and it's, it's not worth the benefit. Yeah. I would go take the money I was going to invest in the cal. I'd get a CO2 scrubber for my skimmer. Yeah. You know, do any one of those things and make it a little easier. Yeah, right. for sure. Uh, but yeah, this people do the same thing with two part. And the other reason would be actually Kalkwasser tends to be cheaper. And the one thing I will say that I don't think gets enough press, and I, I think people should probably you know, spend a little bit more time on, is if you want to know the potency of your Kalkwasser, it's a uh, EC meter. So it's oh, real electrical it's, conductivity. Yeah, it's basically the same thing as a TDS meter. Uh, we sell a little pen that has it on there, and you can stick it in your Kalkwasser solution, and it'll give you the conductivity. Uh, one of the things you're going to find immediately is uh, what's supposed to be a super saturated, fully saturated Kalkwasser is actually super hard to achieve. Yeah. Uh, I haven't actually ever been able to achieve it. So that theoretical number of, uh, I can't remember what it is, but like the max saturation of Kalkwasser isn't achieved by dumping some in and mixing it up and hoping for the best. Yeah. Uh, you got to put a little effort into <laughs> it. Uh, even the coming out of the reactor that's spinning it constantly. Uh, Still doesn't do uh, it. So, but pick a number, whatever that number is that you get consistently, and then uh, ma measure to that rather than chasing some fairy tale of what you think is supposed to be possible. Uh, pick the number that you're getting using the equipment that you have and the material you use and then chase that. Yeah. Right? Uh, so EC meter uh, would be the best way if you're going to run both those things together, invest in the EC meter, it's a little pen, lift up your Kalkwasser top thing, stick it in there and you can know whether or not you need more. Yeah. There you go. Alright. Uh, any other ones you wanted to cover or we'll just nail all these questions? Uh, we could nail these questions. Alright. Uh, at what point should you replace DI resin when the TDS is anything above zero? Leaching ammonia most certainly into your tank right now. Mm. So like in one TDS is a mythical creature. Uh, it, it's just a measurement of uh, electrical conductivity across a whole range of stuff. If the thing that you're uh, leaching in there has a, a low uh, electrical conductivity to begin with, it could be five TDS of that thing. Uh, in reality so you don't wait uh, until it's like uh, you know you don't wait until your floor is flooding man like once you recognize that it's close start pumping the water out you know <laughs> so you don't wait until it's already depleted and you're producing crappy water you change the filter before it starts producing crappy water yeah so the answer is probably within about a you know three-quarters of an inch of the top of the DI resin if you want to get more life out of it use two of them maybe you can let it go Oh yeah. Just scrape it right off the off the rock. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of them on like especially you know with Pukani rock and stuff where they get their foot way deep in the caverns of these types of rock and then you're pretty much just stuck to breaking the rocks into pieces and hoping you can get them up. So uh, yeah, uh, over at WWC, the uh, Josh there, the, the way the primary way, way they do it is just try to use a chisel and tap a little bit and scrape a little layer of the rock off the, the foot's on it. And, yeah. I mean, if it's like way deep in the rock, then let that one be. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in general, that's probably the best way. 
Cool. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, does done? anyone know the blackout period in a brute trash can with live rock with Aptasia for a few months? Will blackout, so basically I think this question is saying, will blackout kill Aptasia? Blackout is a super awesome way to kill Aptasia as long as you're willing to wait until the next ice age for it to happen. <laughs> like, no, so, it's a terrible way. No. So don't do, don't use that at all, man. Uh, the uh, if you're the th I mean, with lights and everything off of there, I mean, you probably will kill some sort of organisms, most likely being like photosynthetic ones. In which case, that now if F fuels like maybe food for Aptasia, Aptasia and then it's a, just a perpetual cycle. Yeah, I, I've seen those things hang on for eons. Yeah, I had a friend of mine actually who uh, had a problem with Aptasia, and you know, I mean, he's right and wrong. He he restarted the tank, but he didn't want to like bleach the rock and start like from ground zero because he mm. thought he had a healthy bio stable tank and he was right uh, and his point was i'm going to end up adding aptasia back to this tank someday again anyway uh and that might be a true statement but at the same time man like i'm going to take a tank down because i have a pest and i'm going to leave the pest in there I just can't handle that statement, man. I just, I just can't do it. Like, I'm, wow. I'm going to try my best to not reincorporate it. And maybe I do over the years, but I'm going to do it years from now. And it's going to be one, and then it'll be my problem in eight years instead of mm. three again. So uh, if you got Aptasia in there, man, a uh, couple of things. Uh, if you were going to do it like that, I'd also go spend a bunch of money and buy a bunch of uh, the Nudabronx the from Salty Underground. They're starting to make a dent in here. Are they? Yeah, there's uh, definitely less Aptasia in certain places in this tank. Well, I mean, I have yet to like actually see one with my eye, but there are patches in here that are starting to lose their Aptasia. Sweet. Yeah, so the little Nudabronx, uh, uh, the Bergias, go to Salty Underground, that's the best thing. You mm. could maybe use a a uh, billion uh, uh, peppermint shrimp. shrimp, sometimes it works. I don't know, you can chase a copper band that sometimes works, but right. also hard fish to take care of. Shutting the lights or, off on them doesn't work. Yeah, or, yeah, that won't work. Or you can get the thing that actually eats them all day long, is its only diet, and will breed more things that actually eat those things. New so Bronx. It's called Nuda Bronx, <laughs> Burgess, called Salty Underground. Go to them. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, $1.99 from Glenn Rudolph. Free super chat from the YouTube premium going to BRS. That's cool, man. Thank you for oh, the dollar yeah. ninety-nine. I don't he, know. He got a free super chat, and they, they gave it to us. Oh, really? Thanks, Glenn. Free from YouTube. Oh, that's pretty cool. All right, we turned super chat on, by the way. I yeah. don't know. Like, I have no idea. I was just watching it. You know, I'll be I'll be real honest. I thought it was super cool. I, I watched the uh, uh, a guy who like talks about YouTube all the time and yeah. just like how to run your YouTube channel. It's called VideoCreators.com. Or video, yeah, and video creators. with, with mm -hmm. video creators at uh, YouTube, and uh, you know he's getting like eight million of these little questions in, and he pops one in, or, or I pop one in, and I, or I saw somebody pop in a super chat thing, and he answered it right away. And I'm like, man, that's cool, dude. For like you know uh, three bucks or whatever it was I put in there, like my hero answered my question, <laughs> you know, and I'm like man, it's the coolest thing. And it wasn't that like so much that. Like, uh, you know, he wanted the three bucks so bad because yeah. I'm sure he doesn't care about three bucks. Uh, and I thank you for the dollar ninety nine. But like, uh, that's you know not going to make or break because it was that it was a mechanism that like kind of popped to the top. So like, we actually answered all the questions here that Dave uh, popped out. But what we didn't do, man, is answer them in real time because we're you know jamming through all this other stuff. And mm. so if you're going to wait all hour, you probably got all of your stuff answered. 
I'm going to make an effort, man, because I thought that it was really neat that when Dave sees the Super Chat things pop up, that he brings them up to the front for us and we try to answer them in real time, man. Because oh, yeah. maybe you don't want to wait, answer, wait the whole hour and you want to learn something right now, man, uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, pop it out. we got to figure out so what, what to do with the Super Chat monies. Oh, yeah, maybe we'll give it back to the people. Uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. Ah, there we go. Two dollars from, uh, uh, what is oh. that? Vegeta DT. Boom. Thank you for the two bucks. I mean, like, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to take this four ninety nine or three ninety nine that we got today, and I'm going to buy Randy a beer today. So, oh, uh, thanks. Thanks, yeah. guys. Well, hey, we're going to go fishing for, for our bass opener just happened for us here in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, it's true. Maybe we'll buy you coffee tomorrow. Oh, okay. There you go. So, thank you very much. Our coffee's on you. Appreciate it. Uh, and hopefully you have still like a mechanism, you know, to uh, get a Pop question answered kind of fast, rather. We're, trying, we're answering them regardless anyway at the end. But uh, maybe a little bit faster. For or, sure. hey, just like what we're doing, you want to buy Randy us a coffee? Uh, Bob will be super happy that it didn't go on the card. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. See you guys uh, next Monday. Yeah, see you guys. Take care. Sweet.